Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I got to tell you, it's a sad thing to say, but these little white people changed my little life. Just being honest, the little white people changed my life. So back to the original question. Right. The sun is out. So I'm getting the cushions out of the shed because I'm going to bloody make the most of this little moment of sunshine we're having. Let me tell you, are you all managing to enjoy the sun at all? Send us your pics. I want to see you sunbathing. I want to see you enjoying the sunshine, frolicking with your friends. Tell me what's up this summer, Homo sapiens people. I'm in the garden, putting the cushions on, taking them out of the shed from over the winter. Finally, it's August, only now am I getting around to doing it. My husband's doing some gardening because we've been to, what was the name of the hardware store we went to? Holden's. Holden's Hardware Store. It was amazing. They sold sit-on mowers, they sold chainsaws, they sold strimmers. You got your secateurs sharpened. Is that what you would call those? bit more butch than secateurs he says so secateurs then and we are chopping all sorts down wouldn't bother with that um what you could do i would focus on clearing that up there never they never like to take instructions do they what's up nothing i found a corner of the garden where if you cleared all these big bushy weeds you could have a little drink with a chair. Um, so that's today's excitement. Um, I've got a plan for it, but I just need my husband to play ball and do the manual labor, I suppose, if we're being honest. Who have we got on the show today? An absolutely excellent episode because we've got Gabriel's on the show, or more to the point, we've got Jacob Lusk, the lead singer of Gabriel's. Now, Gabriel's are Elton John's new favourite band. They just supported um, Harry Styles on tour. Elton John said that their EP is the most important EP of the last 10 years, would you believe? And their lead singer is a guy called Jacob, Jacob Lusk, who is a queer man, although I'm not sure that's fully sums up his identity we talk about it in the interview he's very funny he's got a voice of an angel their music is incredible um and he is really interesting because he was discovered on american idol and we talk a little bit about how he sort of had to hide his queerness let's say for an american idol audience or manage it maybe we talk about it more the description will be better and perhaps felt a bit lost and didn't feel like that was the quite the right path for him. So then set up this band with two other people, Ryan and Ari, who are his bandmates. Ryan, who weirdly I was friends with, am friends with, uh, he was a music video director who I used to um, see all the time. He's lovely. So that was great. Um, and they're just doing really well. And it is, there's nothing 
more joyous than seeing nice things happening to good people. Good things happening to nice people. So that's today's chat. Really interesting. He, he's growing up because we talk a lot about him growing up in Compton in LA and actually fascinating learning about, you know, how his queerness kind of wasn't a problem uh, for him growing up and how his difference was really embraced and accepted and loved. And it's amazing, amazing. And um, sort of how he's found his voice by starting this band with these two guys who have really helped him work out what it is, what the kind of music that he wants to make. It just sounds like the most lovely, wonderful collaboration. So that's coming up. Before that, we have you caught up with last week's episodes. Uh, we had a chat with Alice Oseman from Heartstopper, a little flashback to that when we spoke to her for season one. Lots of nice messages about that. Then we talked to the stars of the viral podcast, Who Shat on the Floor at My Wedding. Karen and Helen, lovely couple. They got married. Someone shat on the floor at their wedding. It's become this viral sensation of a podcast. Have a listen if you haven't already. And you've all been sending in your Heartstopper reviews. So, it's a hit, people. I'm so pleased. Alwyn got in touch saying, I think it might even be better than the first season. And although there are some characteristics and storylines that aren't in the comics, the most iconic moments from the books that we all hope to see are there. And as an awesome bonus, a unique asexual story arc for Isaac. For the main couple, I love that it shows what happens after the happy ever after moment which includes lots and lots of kissing. So many queer kissings in the season, but also difficult conversations while navigating family and a rocky coming out process. Also, most of the young actors have clearly grown their acting skills over the one and a half years in between taping seasons. And again, there are some prize worthy moments in this season, not in the least the Nick and Charlie conversation right at the end. Oh, but most importantly, the show shows so much queer teenage joy. Mm, so wonderful to hear that. We've also been asking you this week which acronym you like to use when it comes to expressing your identity because there was this thing on Attitude about LGBTQ plus being the nation's preferred. Um, lots of you wrote in saying uh, different things. Lots of you said LGBT plus, lots of you said LGBTQ plus, LGBTQIA plus says Daniel. Uh, P PMC Ginger says gay but queer is slowly becoming my favourite. Craig says, I jump between LGBTQ plus and queer, so the most and least popular terms. So queer is like, you know, a thing. Um, I really like queer. I feel it's inclusive. Uh, and I think it contains a little bit of um, the grit. I remember me and Alan Cumming talking about this. It's sort of, there's a little bit of fight in it, which I like. But, um, you know, some people hate it. So write in, tell if you hate queer or if you love queer, write in, tell us why. In the meantime, let's go have a chat with the wonderful Jacob. I'm going to play you in with one of the songs from Gabriel's new album, Angels and Queens. This is Love and Hate in a Different Time, and it's a banger. I'm so excited about chatting to you today. So thank you so much for doing this. And it's really funny that you're working with Ryan because, so Ryan, who is... Uh, one third of Gabriel's. He was a music video director, and that's how I know him because that's how I started out. And mm -hmm. 
I remember him going off to LA and I remember thinking, I love Ryan's energy. He is so can do and he is someone who's always just gonna make things happen when other people have tried and have not. And then he started posting little Gabriel's clips and I was just <laughs> just liking everything and being like, this is amazing because it's quite an interesting way that you three met, right? It's not the normal route. No. We weren't friends. We didn't know each other. They were looking for a choir. I was very reluctant and not really interested, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> and very skeptical as well. Mm-hmm. Ryan's this like big buff and with <laughs> tattoos. And he's, yeah, coming to my house in Palm Springs for a week. <laughs> this is, and this is after we had met, of course, and became cool. Mm. And people don't know this, but I have extreme social anxiety. So I stay in my house. I go places by myself. I'm very, like, not, yeah, that guy. And he, of course, was like, nope, you're coming with me. (laughs) So what made you say yes to this invitation from a big, burly, strange man? (laughs) He's not that burly, but I mean, he is. (laughs) I think it was because I was given space to sing. I like to sing. So though I was reluctant even to do the project with them, do the little commercial or whatever, the project they were doing, if I'm given the space to sing, well, I'll be fine. I can sing my way out of a box. Like, whatever it is, as Mm -hmm. long as I get to sing, then I'm fine. So I think this was just a space for me to sing Mm. and ended up being a safe place for me just in life because I didn't know these people. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know anything about my background. They didn't know anything about what I had done prior to meeting them. They didn't know mm-hmm. any of that. And they didn't really care. Which is a great start. Sorry, I'm just grabbing my dog because he's sitting here. Oh, he's got to say hello. hi, puppy. Oh, my hello? God, you have a downshund. Yeah. I'm probably not saying it right. <laughs> Do you want to say hello? He's called Ridley. Do you want to say hello? Hi, Ridley. Is Ridley very talkative? He's very opinionated and speaks when he has opinions. So, yes. Okay. But we're all just his assistants at this point. So, yes. I'm so thrilled it's going so amazingly well for you guys. One of the reasons, because I love Ryan. (laughs) I just love him and I think he's Mm -hmm. amazing. And I really feel people who back themselves and stay true to their gut, who end up doing well, it's my favorite thing in the world. And I suppose I'm, I'm thinking about you in that. And I'm going to do a little bit of background just so that we skip people up who don't know. But Ryan and Ari were working together. The other two members of the band were working together, making music for commercials, right? And then they found you because you were asked to run a gospel choir audition or something is that right yeah so they had an audition for gospel choirs i had just done like a whole bunch of not a whole bunch but i had booked four commercials back singing commercials back to back which i'm in la i'm an actor i'm sag yeah sorry for the people and so i had just booked like four of them back to back and they were all singing commercials which if you're an actor and you go on auditions that just doesn't happen right literally i had Four, I went on four auditions over like a three month period and I booked all of them and they mm-hmm. were all singing auditions. And so this one came up and my aunt was like, hey, can you help me? Because you clearly have some type of magic sauce with these singing commercials. Can you please help me? Yeah. And I was like, girl, no, because there was only and when you do these projects, some there are union jobs and then there are non-union jobs. There were only so many union spaces and so many non-union spaces. And I think I would have ended up having a non-union space. I was just like, girl, I'm not interested, girl. Mm-hmm. No, it's mm-hmm. not even worth it. So I was like, I'm not really interested, girl. You can have it. I just booked this national commercial. I'm doing really good over here. My residuals <laughs> is coming in from every time we get played. I'm all right, girl. You have fun. And she wanted me to take the church choir, which that's a whole nother dynamic because these are not professional singers. Right. 
hairdressers. These are retired people. One of the guys in the choir is literally tone deaf. (laughs) I have to go, this is the note right here. And then we all give him a round of applause because he's got the notes. Like, it's a whole... (laughs) So you want me to take the church choir to this audition who, and if you're, if you do the auditions, you see the same people at all the auditions. And so I know that it's going to be all these professional choirs and stuff like, girl, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Talk bad about me. You better humble yourself. Who do you think you are? You got a little commercial. Think you hot shit. Uh. So I was like, fine, I'll go. So we, I take the church choir and Ryan will tell you, I'm really intense when it comes to music. I'm like perfectionist. I'm like Stalin or somebody. I'm just like Alexander the Great or somebody. Anyway, when it comes to choir. So they book the choir. They do a session. I don't go because I'm like, you guys have got the job now. So you're good. <laughs> I'm thinking the job's done. In true Ari and Ryan fashion, if you ever work with Ryan, there's always a catch. There's always a, something ain't done with it yet. There's always a... <laughs> By the way, can you just do this little thing, too? I love it. So they needed to record the choir and arrange the vocals for it because they're not gospel choir people. Now, if it had been a professional choir like the other choirs, they probably would have been fine. Right. And that's probably why we got the job because these people, they didn't didn't care about a union or a non-union. They were like, I'm going to be on TV. We're going to take off work. Like, they're just excited. So they do the studio session. It doesn't go well. They were like, where's the guy who was directing you? He said he ain't coming. But if Jacob tell you he not coming, he not coming. Which is very me. Like if I tell you not coming, I'm not coming. Yeah. Ryan and Ari are probably the only people who can get me to come if I say I'm not coming. And I'm going <laughs> to kick and scream the whole way. I just still didn't go because I didn't know them yet, right? And right. then, long story short, they came to the church. And in Ryan fashion, so you've worked with him, they set up a remote studio in the choir room once church was over. Oh. Now I'm trying to figure out, now that I'm talking about it, what made you even think that this was okay to bring all this radio equipment to Crenshaw? And they don't live anywhere near Crenshaw. This is not, oh, I'm just going down the street. Crenshaw is not the area. They probably came to the church on time and early. Anyway, so they're there. And after the church is over, they set up a remote studio. They wanted the choir to record. And I was like, I don't have that kind of time. So we got you got 20 minutes. Because you got to think, this is a normal choir. Yeah. I got to teach these parts. I got to get the tone deaf guy right. It's a lot. I got that kind of time. I've been in church all day. I'm ready to go. So I was like, I'll just do, I'll just do it all myself. So I did like maybe a six-part harmony. I did three stacks for each harmony. I probably did it in like 20, 30 minutes. And they were like, who the fuck is who is this guy? Like literally singing the soprano part. Wow. Like literally doing all the parts. And then he was like, Have you worked with Beyonce? I was like, No, I have not worked with Beyonce. I wish I had. I might have lied at first and told him yes, actually. And then <laughs> I had, but I haven't. I've never worked with Beyonce. <laughs> but and after that, we kept in touch and we kind of became friendly. And then he was like, Hey, you should come to my house for a few days. And I think I stayed about a week the first time. And it was like a little health retreat. Cause if you know Ryan, he I don't know if he, how super healthy nutty he was then. Mm-hmm. But now he's like growing all of his vegetables and he's got oh, wow hydroponic plants he was grilling eggplant and uh, (laughs) squash and shrimp he was juicing every morning and i was like where is the chocolate chip cookie (laughs) anyway so and that first weekend we we wrote a song called wreath and it was just very different than anything i had ever done and i think he might have said it to a few friends and that was the beginning of us recording and doing things. And the beginning of you finding your voice, because did they know you from American Idol? No, they knew nothing about it. Wow. And I didn't And I didn't talk about it, not because I was ashamed or embarrassed about it. I grew up in a church where my family's, the pastor's sons were famous musicians. Mm-hmm. So I've been around famous people a lot. And I just, my family was, I was almost taught in a way, you don't need to tell your resume. Let your talent speak for itself. 
Yes. Just tell him you work with Beyonce. <laughs> or lie. Yes, I worked with Beyonce. I was uh, Beyonce's dance do. captain on the I Am Sasha Fierce tour. Yes. <laughs> Why did he think you'd work with Beyonce, though? Where did that come from? I think what he had ascertained was that I had done something because yeah. the people at the church, I had done idol at this point. So the people at the church gave me a different level of respect than, than you probably would get. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Tell me about growing up. You grew up in Compton, a lot of church. What was that like? Tell me about your queer history of being a young kid in Compton. I imagine that was complicated. It was. The more complicated part of my life was more probably my mother-father dynamic. My father died when I was 12. Mm, sorry to hear that. No, it's okay. And it was sudden and he wasn't killed. That was probably the most difficult thing versus being in, being in Compton. Like my grandmother still lives in the same house. That my mom low-key grew up in. And it's very, at the time, it's different now because, like, gentrification and stuff. But it was a a very neighborhood kind of place. Mm -hmm. So all the neighbors knew each other. People would come across the street and ask to borrow a cup of sugar. Amazing. Now, we didn't, I didn't, wasn't never going across the street to ask for no cup of sugar. (laughs) Grandma wasn't having that. You gotta sit up here and drink this water before you go ask for some sugar for some Kool-Aid. But it was a good experience for me. I was a bad little boy. I was bad. But it, it, it was good for me. I don't know. Maybe it was my dad. But it was a good experience for me. We were taught values of just being a good person and taking care of your neighborhood. And, and the neighborhood kept me safe. So there were gangs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I think for them, my mom put me in all these tutoring classes. And I went to private schools up until I was like 13 or 14. The neighborhood almost was like, this kid has a different path. We're going to keep him on that path. Wow. I have an uncle who battled drug addiction and he was in and out of jail. But in LA, most families had that because crack was like a whole epidemic in America. I don't know if it was one in the UK, but it was this whole thing. And there's all these conspiracy theories that the police leaked crack into the neighborhoods and all this, but Mm. I ain't gonna get into that. I don't know anything about that because I don't do crack. But Mm -hmm. As Whitney says, crack is cheap, and I'm not a cheap person. <laughs> so it, for me, it was that. Mm-hmm. It was family. It was I actually went to Kendrick Lamar my senior year of high school. So I, I can share that now because he shared it. Oh. I never talked about it before because I was like, maybe I'm just tripping. Um, <laughs> but he actually came to this. We did our album with one of his big producers that he works with quite often, Soundwave. And so he came to the studio here in high school. So, it, so I can talk about it now. But yeah, that's what it was for me. It was going to the, the swing pool in the summer. Mm-hmm. My grandma had collard greens in the backyard and grew her own tomatoes. And church was, what I'm realizing now for a lot of people, church was their AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Church was their keep myself out of trouble 
I later found out addiction ran in my family. So a lot of people had dealt, dealt with it. And so when they got themselves clean or got themselves together, church was there. Wow. And my mother wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that, but that became their thing. Mm. So instead of going out to the club, they go to church. Mm. Instead of doing this, they go to church. So all of these people are from similar neighborhoods and they are trying to get their kids out. Mm. Everybody I went to church with, Everybody went to college. I was the only one that dropped out. So the church was more of a, it wasn't just this like religious crazy thing. Mm-hmm. It was, this is a community for me to keep my family safe and to help build my family and make sure that my kids don't do the things that I did. And it's a sort of the simplest, be- most beautiful idea of what neighborhood should be, what a family should be, what religion yeah. should do as well, which often yeah. sometimes gets tangled and lost along the way. So your family around you, the people around you, felt that they'd noticed you were special. It wasn't for singing, though. Ain't that deep? <laughs> Ain't that deep? <laughs> they, they missed one there. But what was it? Was it your queerness, if that's what you call it? I mean, how do you identify now? I guess I'm gay. Yeah. I don't like identifying as gay, though. Right. I don't know why. Just being honest. And Ryan and Ari, I thank God for them, because they really pushed me and affirmed me in a way... And the people at my job. I got to tell you, it's a sad thing to say, but these little white people changed my little life. <laughs> Just being honest, the little white people changed my life. So back to the original question. It wasn't my queerness. I've always had this ability. My mother instilled in me that I could be whatever I wanted to be. It's the worst thing she ever fucking did. Mm. Because I really think I can do any fucking thing. I really believe that shit. I think they saw a tenacity in me. I also was very good with my words. Mm-hmm. I spoke really well. And I read a lot. She made me read, though. She forced me to read novels and then she made me read all these biographies and all of these black people in history. I think when I was in like third grade, I was reading at a college level. Whoa. So it was just a different thing. And I think that was apparent. It's just amazing that they saw it in you and they nurtured it. Here's what it is. My dad was smart. He started using drugs a little bit and then he got himself together, got a good job. But I think my mother was like, okay, I'm going to put everything I possibly can into this little human. Maybe unhealthily, to be honest with you, because she didn't really date. After her and my father divorced, my mother was either in school, at work, or with me. I don't have a story of I'm get home one night and my mama out somewhere mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like I had a well, I had a new stepdaddy every other I never experienced that her entire life was dedicated to this little monster that she <laughs> created and so <laughs> I think that was the thing and the thing is what I give God praise for my mother and my grandmother because they allowed me to be different so I didn't understand my queerness as you would call it mm. But I was in an environment that because I was different than everybody else, because of my educational, I haven't, you had to, I haven't had to use my brain talking in a while. Cause all <laughs> people ask about, all people ask about is the songs. They don't care about nothing else. They only care about is Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar and Diana Ross. That's all people ask me about because my, my, educational or mental aptitude was my mother's priority. It fed into the narrative of me being different was okay because that was so much different than those around me. So my sexuality wasn't even a part of the question until I started 
But <laughs> that was it. It was just, oh, he's in a whole nother lane by himself. Which protected you in some ways. But um, am I talking to somebody on episode 200 whatever of Homo sapiens? Am I talking to somebody who's had no internal struggle with their sexuality for the first time ever? Could it be this? Could it be you, Jacob? I had a struggle when I was like 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a struggle of if I was this or if I was that. I literally asked the Lord why. Oh. Because I got to a place where I realized my difference was not just I like to read and go to church and sing. Mm -hmm. I realized... I talked at a higher pitch than most people. This is not, this is probably TMI, but they used to call me J-Lo in my sophomore year of high school because I used to sing J-Lo songs because she had this really big hit on the radio at the time. Oh, and I had a really big butt. Great. So it was like, oh, dang, I got this big old booty and I sing. And I also sing really high. For me, it wasn't even sexuality yet. Yeah. And people were already calling me gay, just mm -hmm. be honest. Mm -hmm. They were already calling me a faggot and stuff. But it wasn't really bad. So that was my only question was, why am I not like the other boys? And I don't want to be sweaty and smelly. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to smell nice. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand sexuality yet because I was very sheltered. I didn't have an understanding of that quite yet. And I heard the Lord or I heard a voice tell me that it's for a purpose. Something within me. Because, okay, so let me just get this out the way. I'm really Jesus-like superstar person. Mm -hmm. And I know that's really difficult for people to understand because religion has taught us this thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that God, Jesus, the universe, whatever you call it, loves everybody no matter what. Even if you believe differently. Even if you say, I don't believe in God. Good for you! In, in my personal opinion, the God that I love, love is unconditional. And I also think that God can be expressed in different ways. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm in this space and I'm like, why am I different? And it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And after that, for the most part, I've always been me. And my senior year of high school... My mom sent me to Centennial, which was like by her house. And Kendrick Lamar went to the school. And it's a notoriously really bad school. They had riots and like gang banging is really bad. My uncle told my mom, if you send him there, they're going to kill him. Mm -hmm. He got a little sugar in it saying, Angie, what you doing? So my first week or so, I tried to blend in. I wore baggy jeans. That's a blood neighborhood. So I wore red like a damn fool. Because now you got on red. So now they're trying to figure out what hood you from. Stupid. <laughs> but I didn't know no better. I walked a little slower. I didn't talk a lot. I talked real low. Hey, what's up? I'm good. I'm cool. Right. And that's it. And then like maybe a week or two in, I was like, oh, don't nobody care? Hello, everybody. Honey, I had on my little tight jeans. I had my little stomach, my little, because I was small. I was skin tea, okay, in high school. I had a little two-pack. I was showing my little two-pack every day. And I love this. I didn't have I've I've never had any issues. And part of that also has been in high in school anyway, I always sang. I sang and I was smart. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have time to pay attention to whether I was gay or not, because I was singing or that. So that has been my quote struggle. It's been with what other people say. Mm -hmm. I've been worried about what other people would think, but I've never had this thing like also shout out to my mother and grandmother. My dad, before he died, was really hard on me because I he felt like I wasn't masculine enough. Like yeah. that, so that was very apparent. Men don't stand like that. But outside of that, and my mom would say little things about me switching and stuff. 
But outside mm-hmm. of that, I was still affirmed mm-hmm. as far as I was never told I wasn't good enough. I was never told nothing like that. Now, it was preached against in the church that I went to. Let's be very clear. But it wasn't. I was never treated nastily. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's not me. They ain't talking about me. I ain't having sex anyway. Yeah. And what about dating? Did you date? Now, that was unhealthy. Can Can I be honest? When mm-hmm. I started dating... I was in high school mm-hmm. and I went to an all white school my junior year of high school. So at 16 and I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. These white kids was, they was lacing their cigarettes with speed. They was <laughs> the wrong crowd, wrong crowd, wrong crowd. <laughs> now I wasn't doing any of it, but I was like, oh, they're having so much fun. So I ended up leaving there and then that's when I became to have an awareness of my body. I didn't understand. I'm tall. I'm, I was probably 5'11", six feet tall. Mm-hmm. I was 180, mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot, but I'm a black boy with a heavy bottom. So for the first time, I'm out of the bubble because before that, I had been in predominantly white spaces for school, mm-hmm. which, and that's a whole nother conversation, about dating and being black and all like that's a whole other conversation. We ain't got to get into that. And also, I was naive. Here's the other thing I got to say because now that I'm older, people were trying to talk to me in those spaces, and I didn't know. Little white boy on the football team. He used to bring me bre- a breakfast every morning, and then he brought me flowers. I had uh. no idea. Little white boy. <laughs> flowers. You must have noticed. I wasn't thinking. I just was naive to it. So mm-hmm. then when I hit about 17, I'm going to this school. So I was going to summer school before my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And we call them wife beaters in America. I don't know if you guys call them wife beaters. Uh, the vets. It's a terrible name. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, so they've changed the name, haven't they? For good reason. But I know exactly the thing you mean. I don't know what they call them now. So I had on a vest. Yeah. And I had on these velour pants. Because mm-hmm. it was hot outside. And I was now I sh- <laughs> So I walked to school and my mama was like, oh no, you need to put on a t-shirt. Now I didn't understand because I had never, my mother knew. I didn't understand. I was like, it's hot outside, it's summertime. I probably should have had on over lower pants, but they was comfortable. They were soft. So I'm I'm gonna wear my little thing. And then so she follows me to school. Now, mind you, I'm walking. She follows behind me. See, mama knew. Mama knew. So she follows me, and she gave me... But before I even left, she gave me this big old old T-shirt from the LA Marathon. It was like a 4X (laughs) T-shirt. And she was like, you gonna put this T-shirt on. And I was like, oh, okay. But as soon as I hit that corner, baby, that shirt came off. And maybe not 45 seconds later, my mama pulled up on me. Oh, my God. Well, and what I didn't understand was she was trying to shield me because prior to that, I'd been picked up from school and dropped off. Or I had been in a in predominantly Caucasian or and it and those neighborhoods were usually older, they were bigger, they weren't. Now when I'm walking to school, guys are trying to pick me up on my way to school. And where is this? Still in Compton. This is in Compton. Still. Yeah. The white schools were not in Compton. They were in Belmont Shore. They were right. in Manhattan Beach. They weren't there. This is now. Oh, so my first boyfriend was a drug dealer. Ah. Uh. And my mama didn't know about it. <laughs> huh? He dropping me off around the corner. Very inappropriate. And luckily for me, I got out 
because he got kind of violent one day and I was like, oh, hell no. Oh. And that even those things made you go, oh, I'm going to sit my little ass down over mm-hmm. here. So after that moment, I made a decision that like I wasn't going to have sex until I got married. Uh, Not because of church. Mm-hmm. I clearly have broken that five billion times over. Just to be clear. But it was a safe thing for me. So I made a decision that I was going to get married and I was going to marry a man. And I don't even Mm -hmm. think it was legal yet, but I made this decision. Wow. I'm going to marry a man and I'm going to be, I changed my profession. I'm going to be a professor or a high school administrator and I'm going to marry a man. Boom. End of story. And I'm going to direct a choir to church. End of story. Mm -hmm. Boom. Done. Mm -hmm. That was me at 18. My mother wanted me to go to the military. And in America at the time, I did a thing called ROTC, which is they have military classes. It's like a pipeline to the military. And I got like a 94 out of 100 on the entrance exam. So I could go into anything. I could do any job. They actually wanted me to go. They was like, if you sign on, they were going to give me $100,000 to go take a test, to sign on, to promise to join. Or join, not even promise to join, enlist, and then go take a test for some secret job in D.C. $100,000 plus my salary, but that's just a signing bonus. So my mom was like, you need to go to the military. And I really regret it, to be honest. And my mom was like, there's men in the military. And I was just like, mother, what are you talking about? How could you say such things? That's amazing. So we never actually had a conversation about it. We still haven't had an actual conversation about I came out to my mother or I mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly she knows. Uh, it was a very, it's a very different thing for me. Okay, that's the end of part one. Lovely chatting with Jacob. Isn't he funny? Um, go to the feed, get part two. It gets even funnier. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.